All right, good morning and welcome to Data Endures August Tech Talk. You will notice Shaheen and I are on screens again. We made it in person one day and uh, we hope to be back again in person, but given local mandates, we've gone back to screens um, or else we would have had to talk to you masked and technology is confusing enough to talk about without a mask. So here we are. So uh, Shaheen uh, Peruse is our Chief Technology Officer and Chief Information Security Officer at Data Endure. Welcome, Shaheen. Thanks. It's great to be here. Even though it's virtual, I still enjoy getting these things going. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, this month, uh, we are timing this uh, tech talk around the recent release of Ponymon's recent um, cost of a data breach survey. It's something they've done for, I believe, the past 17 or so years, and it's something that we take a look at just to inspect and you know stand up against our market experience and see if there are any learnings. And um, this is the second year they have factored in um, the effects of COVID, if you will. Um, although last year it was everything was still um, happening, and so this year really is is the best full year to really look at what it means to organizations. Uh, that are now needing to work more remote, have uh, workloads very distributed, et cetera, et cetera. So some very interesting learnings there. Um, notably, uh, and not surprisingly, I guess, the cost of a data breach has gone up. The time to um, detect and contain has gone up. So our adversaries are never one to let a crisis go to waste, and certainly they've not done that with this. But uh, one really interesting fact that we saw and, and what we're going to talk about today is around zero trust. So, you know, we take a look at organizations and, you know, none of us really know what new normal is going to be, but um, clearly we have to be agile and we have to be able to move and, and deploy resources differently. And um, it was interesting to see that 65% uh, of organizations do not have zero trust deployed. And of those 43% have no plans to deploy zero trust. So that was very interesting to me because as we look at modern security layers, that seems to be one that, um, especially in today's climate is very uh, important. So it's something Shaheen and I wanna talk about today. Um, uh, we think there's some factors uh, and reasons for that, but we really wanna talk about what zero trust is. Really uh, talk about maybe how organizations can think about it in a way that's not so overwhelming. Um, so Shaheen, I'll turn it over to you. What do you think's going on? Well, it's, um, you know, as uh, flashing back to 1999 when we were coming out with solutions that were for what eventually became MSP and cloud, um, but none of those acronyms existed back then. Uh, we were on the cutting edge of those types of things. And as more and more people glommed on to those terms, it became really cloudy. Um, and people had a hard time trying to understand what exactly is cloud. And we had to create these concepts of private cloud and hybrid cloud and hosted cloud and hyperscaler cloud. And, and so what, what we're dealing with right now with zero trust is some of that same market um, frenzy associated with companies trying to attach. We talked about this with EDR and MDR and all the other things uh, a few months ago. But whenever um, Gartner, Forrester, um, all the or any of the bigger um, players come out from an analyst perspective and say this is a new category, 
everyone wants to be in that category. I mean, everyone wants to be the cool kid. So you got to get on the cool bus and, and the cool bus right now is zero trust. The challenge, I think, and the reason people aren't thinking about zero trust is what is it? What exactly mm-hmm. is zero trust? And uh, Gartner just recently came out with an update to the definition of it and splitting it up into two different components, ZTNA and ZTN. Um, and we've historically been just saying zero trust networking, and it meant a lot of different things. And there's, you know, uh, in the security space, there's about 3,000 companies writing security products. I think we're probably getting pretty close to companies who are now zero trust companies too. Um, we're in the thousands at least. And, and the challenge with that is you're, you're sitting there saying, everybody says I should do this and everybody thinks it's a good idea, but I don't even know what the idea is. And ultimately it's, it's, it's simple. It's all about uh, user to application access in a non-trusted fashion. So what does that mean? So historically, um, we would let users get to access inside our walled gardens, inside our castles, as long as they were on our network, it was an implicit trust. It, it effectively said, if you're inside our trusted walls, you must be friends, you must be family, we're going to let you get access to all the stuff in here. So you can open up a um, client server application by opening up the client. You can open up a, a server-based application by connecting to the web interface, and you can just start working and do your job and get things done. Then, you know, we started realizing our walled gardens aren't really that great. They're not really brick walls. They're actually just hedges, and people are walking through them and getting inside of our beer garden and drinking our beer and taking our stuff and and we fundamentally realized, okay, this full trust model is kind of dumb. Let's go to a completely opposite end of the spectrum. And that's where zero trust uh, kind of started to blossom. Let's not trust anybody. Let's make sure everybody has explicit credentials to get into applications. Um, let's, let's make those credentials even harder because now people are compromising credentials by adding additional factors for authentication. So all these things started adding on and piling on. But what we still had is we had authentication inside of an application that let a user in. Fast forward to today, and identity has become something fuzzy. Identity is something that can be compromised pretty quickly. Um, uh, the, that's what the adversaries that you were talking about a few minutes ago are taking advantage of. They're, they're literally doing everything they can to get somebody's identity in terms of credentials, compromise their account, get into a network, and then spread from there. And, uh, and targeting, you know, one of two things, to steal your data to sell it or to encrypt your data and charge your ransom so you can get it back. So those are fundamentally today's cyber crimes are targeted around those two things, espionage or ransom. That's, that's fundamentally what we look at. And there's lots of different ways that it gets to that. So now let's back up two years and what happened two years ago, all of a sudden, on March 5th, everybody had to go home. And we only had enough VPN access for 20% of our customers, our employees to get access to resources. And every company that was designed that way scrambled to figure out, how am I gonna let all my employees continue to work? It caused a lot of stoppages in work for a lot of companies. Some companies were better prepared. Some companies were not prepared at all. It was all over the spectrum, but Fast forward to last year and ZTNA became a reality. ZTNA is all about 
user to application access without trust. So identify the user using identity mechanisms, identify the user and determine if that user has access to this application, this particular. So get to explicit um, validation. But at the same time, a bunch of VPN vendors decided, hey, I can jump on this ZTN train. And they took their VPN concentrators and they put them in the cloud and they said, we're ZTNA too. But they did nothing different. Traditional VPN is implicitly a network access for an endpoint that is outside of your walled garden, dropping it into your walled garden. So it doesn't matter where that concentrator is. As long as the user gets on that concentrator, you still have that same implicit trust of a user to a machine, to, a, to an application. And so fundamentally where we're getting the confusion is I don't understand why I have to do the ZTN thing because I already have VPN. I've already increased my VPN licenses. Why should I put my VPN in the cloud somewhere? Um, all of this doesn't make any sense to me. And, and you would be 100% right in all of those assertions. Mm -hmm. But if we really get back to what ZTN is supposed to be, it's, it's all about explicit authorization, authentication, validation of a user to an application, not implicit access once they get on the network. And that's the separation. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's two, Gartner, like I said, split it into two things. So ZTNA is what I just described. And then there's machine to machine, computer to computer communication. Um, some of the largest breaches in the world and some of the most recent breaches that have been popular were all a result of a lack of segmentation. The spread was a result of lack of segmentation, network segmentation inside the data centers. Um, you know, when you go back to that concept of a walled garden, it's easy to create a DMZ, a front end, a mid tier, a back end, and then create those segments. But those segments, once you get inside one of those segments, you get access to everything in that segment. Mm -hmm. So, the second part of zero trust networking is that computer to computer and the right way to do it is micro segmentation. And most companies are really still uh, doing segmentation in the context of traditional, I'm gonna create VLANs and VLANs will be segments where my servers are and there'll be a VLAN where my voice is and there'll be a VLAN where my PCs are, my desktops are. Um, and there's a VLAN where my VPN drops in and you can't get to my management servers, but you can get to the application servers from the VPN segment and from the workstation segment. That is not ZTNA, my friends. That is 100% VPN. Um, and it is implicit trust that once you get into those VLANs, you have access. Guess what? We all have Wi-Fi. We all have ports inside our offices where anybody could come in and plug in and they're on that trusted network and all of a sudden they become a trusted user. Mm -hmm. So ZTN is about saying not only are system to system authorizations required so that this system is allowed to talk to this other system, but user to application author authorizations are required. And I'm, I'm explicitly saying authorization, not authentication, because authentication is something that's embedded in the applications. It's username and password. Authorization is policies from a networking perspective that say you are allowed to do X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. So I think you know trying to clear up that confusion is part of our mission right now. 
we, as part of our SASE offering we're bringing to market, we have both micro segmentation and zero trust, uh, ZTNA specifically by the Gartner definition, definition. And, you know, micro segmentation is, it has to be much like what the cloud has moved to segmentation of systems at a host level so that you can have a segment of one host or two hosts or three hosts or whatever your appropriate conclave are. And then the, in terms of ZTNA, it should not just be a VPN replacement. It absolutely should take over that functionality. It should be your north-south traffic, whereas your micro-segmentation is your east-west traffic. But it should authorize that not only are you allowed to get into a micro-segmentation conclave, but which specific application in that conclave are you allowed to run? And that's the combination of those two things together, the plug-and-play or juxtaposition of both the micro-segmentation at the network level and the zero-trust networking access from a user level should is the right way to solve this problem of I know who's accessing my systems and I don't care where they're accessing them from. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting in everything you've said. Um, as you read about this, as you look at the vendors out there, to your point, um, you know, part of the confusion, I think, is some people may be thinking that zero trust is a tool. It is a mm-hmm. product. It is a thing. And mm-hmm. hearing you talk about it, it really is more of a strategy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe you can even start as simple as saying anywhere where you, where there is, to your point, an, ex, an, an implicit trust happening or, or something implicit happening, you need to inspect those points and shake those up. And I, I, that's my marketing term (laughs) after the five minutes of you speaking, but, um, but, you know, for organizations to think about this as a philosophy or a strategy, not to your point, I've done a VPN replacement or I've upgraded this or updated this, that, that um, maybe doesn't even get in theory, you could say, well, that gets you far enough, but that might open you up to even more harm. So, so if, if, organizations are thinking about this as a, as a strategy um, in terms of maybe prioritization, you know, we talk about a modern defensive uh, defense and death strategy. Where do you see this falling in terms of prioritization? I'm an organization. I've got a lot of things I'm trying to get my hands around um, how to tackle this. So it's uh, with security, that's a really difficult question in terms of prioritization. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it. I'll say one thing about zero trust and then come back to answer the question. Um, zero trust is not a new concept. It's to your point, it is, it is a methodology. It is a concept. It is not a technology. As a matter of fact, I remember 10 years ago at a conference having a dialogue with uh, a peer of mine who shall remain nameless, uh, and you'll understand why in a minute. Um, but uh, if you recognize this dialogue, don't call yourself out. Um, the, uh, the, the dialogue, what I said, what do you think of zero trust? And he says, I don't trust any of my users. So I'm already zero trust. And I said, okay. <laughs> and, and it's important that, to be able to take and dissect that short dialogue to understand that that's where the confusion is all coming from. Founded 10 years ago in the con- and when the concept was starting to become more mainstream in conversation, not even in implementation. Um, And then fast forward to today, and now um, the best way to answer your question specifically about how you prioritize is, I remember we had a conversation with one of our customers on one of these tech talks, 
And that was a question you asked of him is how do you prioritize? And he said, security is not an option. You just mm-hmm. have to do it. And, and he, he's, he's not only not wrong, he's hundred percent right. And to be able to tell you, you should focus on this first is a difficult thing to say as a security professional. And the reason is you could focus on zero trust and limit access to your seg- and segment your network and limit access and control access. But then what happens if something gets through? Are you able to stop it? Are you able to prevent it from spreading beyond, you know, it'll spread in that conclave. And is, is that conclave important? Is that the crown jewels? And are they going to steal data? How do you stop it when it's a single host? How do you stop it from getting from the workstation to the servers, for example? And so, you know, obviously an endpoint security solution has to be in play, but how did it get on that endpoint to begin with? Mm-hmm. Somebody got an email that fished them to get their credentials and so maybe email is the right first place to start. But when they got the email, they clicked on a link and they went to a known bad site and downloaded something. So maybe DNS is the first place you want to start. And so it's really difficult to say this is the right first place. Um, and that's part of the reason why we've launched our Forfecta of services that is, you know, email is the first tier defense, DNS is the second, endpoint is the third, and network security is the final layer of security. And network security has a lot of attributes to it. This concept of SASE or zero trust is a piece and part of that. Um, but uh, but fundamentally, our, our, our go-to-market network security model is monitor the network so you know what's going on. And that's where our SOC offering comes to play. But to put block and tackling on the network, that is where zero trust comes in. Well, and we talk about... Um back to the, the Ponymon research that came out, we were having a conversation before the call got started. <clears throat> and for organizations that were at least 50% remote or more, the time to um, the, the time to both find the breach and contain it went up almost a month. So, you know, already that time went up, call it seven days over the last year. But if you had more than 50% of your workers remote, which I don't know many organizations that didn't tack on another month to that. And so, um, so just uh, in context of just in context of what that means, it went from 285 days it to went 300. Let's see. I think I wrote it down here somewhere. It went from 287 total days to uh, 317. So, so, so that's basically more than six months of impact to your business. How many of us can run and keep our business operating and continue to go to market with a six month impact? And the reality is the the recovery is from the time the attack actually, so that's from discovery of the threat Mm -hmm. to cleanup. Typically a hacker's inside the network for roughly about six months before they do damage. So let's just take that six months, which is roughly 180 days and, and tack on another 100 days of remediation. So how many of us can survive for three months, our businesses, if we're three months trying to recover from a breach? Yeah, it's, uh, I, I keep going back to my phrase. I, I, I feel for folks that are in this situation. And, and I had an interview with someone last week who we were talking about our business and what excites me about this business. And I said, to be honest with you, I almost feel like we are doing a public service 
that that organizations out there today are so exposed and it's not for lack of trying it's not for lack of resourcing um you know you are you are in business because you're a construction firm you are in business because you are a medical um organization and that's what you're good at right and you are spending all of your time trying to excel in that market you know these adversaries this is their core business right and and they're out there trying to reap whatever havoc and gain whatever financial benefit from it they can and um and it's 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 just a tough position to be in so um we always are are passionate and excited about trying to come out to these organizations and just walk alongside them and say, okay, we can help. And um, to, your, to your point of the four factor, right? Let's help identify um, where are you today? You know, where are you solid? Um, where are the areas that maybe, you know, just for, for whatever reason, you know, we can help you shore up and to really get people from wherever they are to maturity, um, in a very, very fast time, and in a lot of cases, 30 days. And when you look at that, the, that extended date, when people get in, how long they stay in, there's a huge time to value. The faster you can get to a better maturity, the better. 100% agree. Well, Shaheen, um, we usually wrap these up and just say, okay, well, what's next? So we've talked about ZTN. Um, people, you know, may or may not be rethinking or, or thinking about what that plan is. Um, we've probably ginned things up enough to make someone a little bit maybe uncomfortable, <laughs> which probably is good because if you're uncomfortable, that means maybe maybe you can do something to get more comfortable. Um, is there something we can do to help or what would you recommend as a next step for someone who really wants to get a little bit more information on this and see how so they stack up? In the context of zero trust, I would say a dialogue is the best thing, which is, you know, you're going to have questions at the end of this that are, okay, what exactly are we talking about when we say micro segmentation? And what exactly are we talking about when we say VPN replacement? Um, that's a great dialogue. There's, we don't have enough time in this session to really dice it apart and tell you what all the pieces and parts are and how it functions, how it works. So we, we can reach out to us and we can get a demo of capabilities for you, show you what the functionality is, what it means, talk through what you're doing and how you could improve that or enhance that. Um, and and in separate from that though, separate from Zero Trust Networking, one of the things that I think most of our customers um, or prospects more accurately enjoy is that we have a series of complimentary health checks, security health checks that help you quickly assess do I have any gaps? And is there anything that this company data endure can help us close those gaps with? And um, those are on our website, reach out to us and take a look at what's available there. Um, reach out to us and ask for a dialogue around zero trust networking. And we're happy to engage however fits your, uh, wherever you are in your maturity from a cybersecurity or even networking perspective. But uh, I think uh, from zero trust specific, it's it's more of a dialogue today to help you get your head around what it is and what it means, or decide. You know, the, at the end of the day, you may decide it's not for me, and that's that's a fine thing. Um, but the health checks are, I would say, a great next step for anybody who's trying to understand: Do we have the right controls in place, and are we protected? Do we need to do anything more? Right, and given the implications of uh, not having a handle on that and and the consequences. 
um, spending that time, you know, at least understanding if that's something you want to do or then spending the couple weeks to actually do it, that, that can be time very well spent for these organizations. Yeah, the average cost of a breach is something in around three and a half million dollars right now. And, you know, the, the ransoms are usually in the 250 to $2 million. The rest of that is the infrastructure required and the cost of an incident response and all those pieces. Insurance can help, but it's not everything. Yeah, yeah. And just, just to uh, give you the most recent number on that, the cost, the average cost of a data breach as of this year is $4.24 million. So up 10% from last year. So um, anything we can do to help you avoid that, we're, we're here for you. <laughs> um, anyway, well, thank you for joining us. Um, Shaheen, as always, um, it's so great to get uh, your insight and tap into your expertise. So thank you. And, um, you know, we'd love to hear from any one of you that, that might like a little bit more insight or detail. Thank you and have a great month, everyone. See you next, next Bye, everyone. <laughs> September. Bye-bye.